You're listening to Family Feud, part of the Paris Style Podcast family. They might not be brother and sister, but they sure do fight like they are. Here's your hosts, Keely Yor and Shotgun Spratling. Welcome to the Family Feud Podcast. I am Keely Yor here with Shotgun Spratling, and we're a little fired up today. Ain't that right, Shotgun? I'm always fired up. It is my job to be fired up. People love it when I am fired up. Therefore, I must stay fired up. Apparently so, but you're at a whole different level. I'm like a volcano today. <laughs> Ready to go. That's true. Coming Ready off. to spew some magma. <laughs> wow. Please. Liquid no. hot magma. <laughs> like hot takes? Hot, hot, hot. Uh, we're coming off a win off of a- USC. Is coming off a win off of ASU. I didn't win. Did you win? Uh, no. Oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, my prediction was definitely wrong. I thought USC was going to lose. Yeah, I won that for sure. No, you did not. You said USC was going to win on a Hail Mary. I said that Tyler Vaughn's Hail Mary win. Those three words were involved, and those three words happened. I guess so. I guess so. But, I mean, USC is kind Races. of in the driver's seat now um, with a win over ASU. They just got to beat... Arizona I mean, it was, it's this the same week. As last week. Yeah, I mean, Helton said yesterday last week was a playoff game. This week's a playoff game, essentially for the Pac-12 South. Control your own destiny. Yes. Da da da. I feel like there needs to be like a little like <laughs> thing with it. Um. So if USC wins against Arizona, basically the net magic number is one because there's going to be some cannibalism with Arizona schools. They're gonna, one of them is going to lose. So. It works out that way. Exactly. And uh, USC would be two games up because they would have the tiebreaker. So this is a huge game. The winner of this game pretty much is the Pac-12 South champion, barring you know some upsets in the last couple weeks. You know, Colorado, UCLA could still do that. And you know, there's plenty of opportunity there. You know, USC going on the road uh, where they haven't played as well until this week. They played really well. Uh, and then also always is a rivalry game. You never know what's going to happen. So, But this is the game to pretty much decide the Pac-12 South. And... You know, both of these teams have an opportunity to beat the Pac-12 North and finally give the South a win in the Pac-12 championship game. Um, but you know, both of these teams could also show some weaknesses in the other team that could give away that Pac-12 championship. So Ooh. this game is going to be very interesting, I think, because it's a big matchup game. Interesting. Are we going to get into this more? Or should I pick your brain right now? We'll get. We'll get into it. Okay. Okay. I think it's funny because USC didn't really. Like, the one thing that USC's good at the past, like, two seasons is that when no one thinks that it's going to go well, they somehow turn around and they're like, yeah, we're, like, I, like. We got this, guys. What's the big deal? It, it seemed almost to me, like, the, after the Utah game, that the first start that Sam Darnold had last year, where they lost, and they're like, no, we made great steps. Like, it's great. And everyone was looking at them like, what? What are you talking about? And, what are you talking about over here? Oh, my God. This is what I'm talking about. This is how hyped he is. But, and then they r- ran the table. This was kind of where... Practice was kind of lethargic. Everyone was kind of like, meh, ASU is probably going to roll them. And then, ta-da! Practice was lethargic until we weren't watching, apparently. Apparently. That's a great point. Yes. So we're, we're going to get into that, too? Yeah. we're, we're let's, let's just get, get into, into it. it. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> Jinx. Stock up. Who you got? Wait, Jinx car. Now you owe me a car. No. Some people say Jinx Coke and you owe a Coke. Some people say Jinx car. You owe me a car now. That's false. Uh, I got offensive line. Uh, you know, they played much better than they did at Notre Dame. They opened some holes up. Sam Darnold was pressured some, but he had more time in this game. They were able to throw some deeper outs, something that they didn't have time to do against Notre Dame. Notre Dame's defensive line really controlled that game. The offensive line played much better this week. Didn't talk to Neil Calloway. I just assumed he still didn't <laughs> want to talk to me, but, you know, he walked out pretty quickly while I was driving someone else. Womp womp. Or else I would have tried to talk to him again. A for effort. I thought I had Chris Brown because – I'm one of those people who, when I'm sick, 
I don't want to do anything. I'm I So like three hundred and twelve days of the year. You don't oh, want to do anything. False. So false. Um he had a hundred and two fever against You're sick more than anyone I know. Okay. First of all, I haven't been sick knock on wood, I haven't been sick this whole season. And it, it makes a difference when I'm not a full time student and a producer and having this job. I just think you have a weak I'm flexing system. right now because I can't, and you're putting me on the spot. <laughs> yeah. You can't even eat gluten. Come on. Yeah, that's You got true. a weak immune system. I, I actually do. I'll, I'll attest to that. But okay. <laughs> but Chris Brown, 102 fever. He had ice on the on the neck, on the on the head, but still, flu game. Yeah, I didn't there. know that he had a fever. I did see that they were putting ice on his neck, and you know, I just thought they were trying to keep him cool. I, I didn't know to – I didn't – Think of it at the time that it, he was the only one. It was in the desert, so I was just yeah, thinking. You don't really think about that. Yeah, and then you know when you said it after the game, I was like, oh, yeah. I did see him with ice on his neck and everything. You called him the Keely Roar of the uh, USC football team because he's been sick multiple games this <laughs> he season. He has. He has. I mean, Sam Darnold said he had been sick You know, in the Notre Dame game. How weird, okay, how weird is that? I, like... In the Notre Dame presser, I kind of he sounded stuffy, and I was gonna ask, and well, then I that's kind of weird. Well, Clay did like say that. last week he's like, "Hey, we got the flu bug kind of going around. Chuma missed a practice because of that. Yeah, you know, Clancy Pendergast kind of sounded stuffed up when I, I talked to him so as too. well. So you know, when someone was like, "Do you really think Chuma's missed practice?" Because I'm like. Some of the coaches sound sick, so yes, I do think, and that's something that happens. It feels like almost every season a team goes through some kind of little illness because you pass it around really quickly in a locker yeah, room. Yeah, they're with each other all the time. Yeah. How much are they touching in practice? You know, like it, it's easily spread. Yeah, you, just quick, you can quick to spread those germs, uh, so it's important to get your vitamin C every day, guys. And sleep, which both of us don't do. Yeah, that's over. What else you got stock up? Jack Jones. I thought he played well. I thought there was a potential mismatch with Nikhil Harry, and I thought he played well. You know when the P is starting to kind of come around and give Jack Jones a little bit of his due that he's playing well? <laughs> I thought I thought he played well. He must be playing out of his mind because <laughs> the P does not like any cornerback. There's no cornerback the P has ever said, that guy's just really good. We we're we won. He had the Thorpe Award winner last year, and granted, Dory Jackson wasn't his, you know, wasn't completely shut down because no cornerback is. And people are like, he's not that good of a cornerback. I don't know how he's going in the first round. He did. Um, hate is gonna hate. Iman, Iman Marshall hasn't been great this year, but people act like he's the the worst player in the history of USC football on the board. Sometimes. Do you know how many people in my mentions are? happy that he's injured they're like good it's better when he's off the field are you kidding me if you're a usc fan you should not be wishing for one of your players uh, to be if injured you're a fan of it doesn't matter if you're a fan or not you should not be wishing injury upon someone that's, that's a great just point. bad karma for you you're gonna get struck by lightning or something there's not much lightning in la <laughs> Well, Which maybe. would say how bad the karma is. Wow, that's Or maybe true. you're someone who lives in Texas that's listening to the show, and we appreciate you listening, but watch out for that lightning. It's that's coming. True. It's true. If you're being negative towards like, be positive. You know, you hope everyone gets healthy. Yes. You could say, if you don't like the way someone's playing, they get injured, you say, well, you know, I hope this gives them a chance to clear their mind. Not, I wish, <laughs> it's, very, it's great he's, he's got injured. That's great. I yeah. like it. So all you people get out of my mention. Whoa. <laughs> Just kidding. That's false. Don't hurt me. Um, oh, wow. Uh, what else you got? I got stuck up Sam Darnold's grin. Oh, wow. Sam Darnold so showed a little emotion in this game. It's something we haven't seen. He's though, he gave a little fist pump after a touchdown. You know, before the game, he's bobbing his head a little bit before the game with the music. I was like, you know, right then when I, granted, I didn't see this during the game. When I saw the replay, I was like, 
you can tell he's going to have a good game because, you know, he's just loosened up. And that was yeah. the thing that, you know, it just seemed like he was playing a little too tight throughout the season. He's admitted that, you know, the pressure got to him a little bit. Um, and he, you know, he, in your interview with him after the game, he was smiling a lot. You know, he was very, you know, he talked about how, you know, he just had more fun this game. I it thought was, it was really interesting in this interview with me. There was a part you can see where he's not talking to me anymore. He's talking to himself because he goes, I just need to have fun out there. And like, you could tell that he was just like talking to himself. Like, I just need to do this. Like, it was something where he sounded so much like this game just proved to him. Like, I just need to stop being in my head and like, just have fun because he's a gamer. Like, that's what he does. He loves playing and he just needs to do it. So, and he did it. Yeah, it was good. As I say, he did the damn thing. He did it. <laughs> um, <laughs> Okay, so this one's kind of a, a sad stock up. It's a, a you'll see. Port Augustine. <laughs> I thought he played well. I thought he makes a complete difference on the D-line. When you have him coming from the other side, then you get guys like Rasheem Green, Yuchina Nuoso. They get their shot more because that's just too much to handle. And you also have the return of Josh Fatu. That helps. But then you get the womp womp because he's he's out now. Yeah, so I had to pass rush on my stock up. <laughs> yeah, that's a great uh, you point. Know, twice, two of Rasheem Green's sacks were edge pressure coming off, and this quarterback having to step up. Rasheem Green, one of the times, he just absolutely manhandled a guard, <laughs> threw him out of the way. Like the guy's flying the other way, and uh, you know he sacks Manny Wilkins. Uh, so when you're a cohesive unit, you know you can have a great edge rusher. You can have Von Miller put him on a college team right now, and if nobody else on the team is any good, then they'll find a way to block Von Miller. They'll let him go by, and then they'll push uh, him away. That's debatable. Yes. You could you could argue the Leonard Williams. Well, Leonard Williams was coming straight up the middle. That's a little bit different. Edge okay, rushers. Okay, okay. So Uchina Nwosu hasn't really done much in basically since Port Augustine got hurt. You know, as yeah. far I mean, yeah, he had, that's he had the we big interception about. against Washington State. He's had a couple of tips. But before that, the Stanford game, the Texas game, he was just all over the place. He's making a bunch of plays. And granted, he did get hurt in that game as well yes. against Texas. The MCL that, sprain. The MCL sprain, which has slowed him. Uh, but, you know, I think it's huge having Porter on the other edge just because, you know, that gives another guy that can provide speed rushes off the edge and do some different things. Um, whereas USC was kind of struggling with that, Christian Rector had been the beneficiary of Uchenna Nwosu sometimes rushing off the edge and the guy stepping up and, you, and Christian Rector getting some sacks that way. Uh, so when USC has all their starters, it makes a big difference. The, yes. Some of the defensive guys I talked to after the game, they're like, wow, yes, you know, it's night and day difference. You know, having Fatu back, having Gustin. And unfortunately, I have him on my stock down as well, poor Gustin, yeah. because it appears he's re-injured the toe and will not be available at least this week. Probably a couple weeks, uh, if he even comes back at all this season. I mean, do we want to say this for later? I was going to ask you about how they've managed the whole Porter Gustin injury saga this season. Awfully? Yeah. <laughs> awful. It's just awful, I tell you. I mean, okay, we're getting into this. Participation charts. How many plays did he play? And he then break it down. 37 snaps. Before, on Thursday, it was kind of a revelation. It's like, oh, Clay Hunt's like, yeah. You know, Port Augustine might be available. He did some work. Like, everybody's like, what? Wait, what? Like, Especially because he said, oh, he won't be back until we actually see him in practice and he gets some work in. And then suddenly it's, ta-da, Port Augustine's here. Yeah, like we didn't see him in practice at all last week. And then on Thursday, he's like, hey, yeah, he, he did some work today in the closed practice. And, you know, Clay was asked, well, how much could he participate? Could he go full? No, no, no. You know, he's rusty. He's not going to be able to go the full thing. You know, probably 15 or 20 plays. Uh, he got that in the first half. 
Okay, USC is up 31-10. Porter Gus is done for the day, right? Nope. Nope. <laughs> Instead, he comes back out and plays 15 of the 26 plays in the third quarter. So now you're at 45 snaps. Is he done yet? Nope. Bring him back out in the fourth quarter for the first uh, drive when the you know when the starters are still in. Uh, and he was playing well. You know he's doing well coming off the edge. He he helped cause some of those pressures that got you know that USC got six sacks. But you have to manage an injured player better than that. I mean, if you say he's going to play fifteen to twenty snaps, that's how many snaps he needs to play. That means you have conferred with the doctors. They've you know you've come to this conclusion. This is what is good for his his health. And instead, you try to push that beyond the limit. And probably a situation we don't need to push him. And all of a sudden, he's injured again. It's definitely a situation where you didn't need him, and and then it begs the question: Should he be? Should he have even played four days after surgery against Texas? If you he's know? cleared, you know, if he's cleared, I understand it because you did the same thing with Juju last year, and I also understand okay, it's but the much difference different between, yeah, because thank you. it's a toe versus a finger. <laughs> I'm Give ready me a to chance. jump on it. Give me a chance here. <laughs> no. Uh, yeah, so it's different because a, a toe versus is versus a finger. And you saw that Porter was right back in the boot after the game, which is was to be expected. You know, if you have a bad foot, they put you right back in the boot. They don't want you to do anything to, to re-injure it or anything uh, post the game. And instead, apparently it was too much. He, he was re-injured. And it doesn't look like he's going to be available when they could use him a lot this week. Yes. Dealing with Khalil Tate coming off the edge. That's my question, though. Who, who has the final say over this? Who is letting this happen and not having the foresight to be like, you know what, we have Khalil Tate. I mean, Sam Darnold told me that they were already thinking about Arizona in the second half. Like, how are you not thinking about, okay, we need... Apparently someone on the defensive side was not. Oh, apparently so. Who makes that decision? That's kind of been asked of Clay. He said, you know what, it's the doctor's decision, and then, you know, I have my input... But ultimately, he said one time, but ultimately it's up to the player. That's what I was about to say. He goes back and forth. Sometimes it's the player. Sometimes it's the doctors. I feel like it's the more star, the more vet the player is. It's more on the player. The younger the player is, the more it's on the doctors. All right. In my opinion, personally my opinion. But that's what I'm saying Clay says. I'm not saying that. Yes. No, this is personally my opinion. In my opinion, it should never be up to the player. Yes. Because most players are going to play through whatever they can. Did you? Because guys aren't going to – when you're 18 to 20 years old, 21 years old, you're thinking about the guys around you, not necessarily 40 years in your future. Yes. Or even two years in your future when you're a pro. You're just not thinking about that. It's not the immediate thoughts. You're more in the present than you are you know, looking for the entirety of the picture. So I think the player should have input. Yes, it hurts this much. I think I can play on it. All right, we appreciate that input. We're going to go over here, separate, and have a conversation. The doctor tells the coach, look, I think he can play. He can only play 10 plays. He can only play 15 plays. You should start him out slow. We'll see how it is after those plays and then determine. Go over there. I think, you know, you have to trust the doctors. That's their job. You know, Clay always says, you know, as a coach, he likes to, you know, get these position coaches in place and let them do their job. You got to do the same thing with with the support staff, the medical staff, everything. I think that it was just unwise to play him if if indeed it was a twenty pitch, you know, a twenty play limit. If that was what was supposed to be his maximum, then he shouldn't have been out there in the second half. I completely agree. All right, so what else we got? Well, I got a stock up. I also had Jack Jones as well. You know, I thought he played really well. He was actually singled up on Nikhil Harry that entire game. Yeah. So when they were in man to man, he followed Nikhil Harry everywhere. 
Now, was that partly because you had Isaiah Langley on the side? You don't really want to get him mashed up? I don't think it was so much that I asked uh, Clancy that. He said it was more that it was the trust they have in Jack Jones. It's the second time in three games they've kind of done that. They did the same thing with Carrington against Utah where Jones pretty much shadowed him, and that's how much he has grown in the last year and a half that he's now the guy that we're going to put him out there. He's going to be on an island. It's up to you. He made one bad mistake. He said, he said you know, he made an error. He was looking in the backfield on that play. It wasn't, you know, some people try to say, oh, it was the zone. The safety didn't get over top. No, it was, Jones said it was his fault. Um, but after that, what did Nikhil Harry do? <laughs> he had two catches. One of them was a 15-yard catch on a dig route against a zone on third and 22. So, you give up that catch, you, you make the play, uh, Chris Hawkins made the tackle. The other one was a one-yard catch on a bubble screen. That's all he did the rest of the game. And I asked Chris Hawkins afterwards, he said, you know, we knew Nikhil was going to get his. You know, and him getting his is one big play a game. He's going to at least average one big a play. He said the difference is we didn't let him in the end zone. Yeah. So I thought Jack Jones did a tremendous job there. And the fact that they can shut down a, a, a at least a quarter of the field, if not a half of the field with one player – is a huge boost to the type of defense that Clancy Pendergrass wants to run. They've been pretty good at shutting down the star wide receiver. When Clancy Pendergrass, you know, tries to scheme to stop one receiver, he does a really good job. Now, if they can scheme to stop Khalil Tate, that's going to be a little bit different because he can do a lot, a lot of uh, a, a variation of things. Um, I also had Tyler Vance. Uh, Ryan's boy. He had a, he had a great day. He had six receptions, a hundred and twenty six yards, and two touchdowns. Two tugs. Two touchdowns. One of them where he just got nailed, absolutely. But uh, targeting penalty. Yeah, I you and I heard it. Tell. That's a heard it on the sidelines. And boy, did we hear it. Yeah, I, I, I kind of cringe when I hear those things just because so you I. know it's helmet to helmet. Um, so I was just glad to see him get up. I told him after the game, uh, sent him a message. I was like, just happy to see. He's like, he's like, what are you talking about? That's what that's what we do. We catch touchdowns. Yeah, that's what he said to me. He was like, it's, it's football. We expect hits. That's what happened. I was like, do you kn- did you know where you were after the side? He's like, yeah, but I, I made sure to get to the sideline pretty quick so I could sit down. <laughs> and he was helped by the fact that that throw was in between three defenders. He said he was able to get his head around because of the space that he had created. It's always good when a wide receiver can create space, even in a situation like this. Uh, a little separation there. That he was able to get his head around, see the defender was coming, and kind of prepare for that hit uh, before he took it, rather than it kind of being a blindside hit, which is can be even more dangerous. Mm-hmm. So he had a really good game. Deontay Burnett, uh, you know, had a touchdown as well. Had one touchdown called back. Uh, Michael Pittman had two potential touchdowns. Yeah, I have Michael Pittman on my stock up just because he had that potential that game. He didn't really, as Helton said, the stats didn't really show. He has two. Yards. Yeah, exactly. So it didn't really, he had like a, a almost touchdown, another almost touchdown. Um, I actually interviewed Michael Pittman this week and, and Daniel Ibatore Bebe uh, bombed our video. And then he, and then Daniel was like, he's just mad at me because I'm the one who had the penalty. And so there was a whole back and forth. So he almost had a touchdown. So. I would, I would have been upset with him too. Yes. But he, he probably wouldn't have got, got out. My, Michael was actually pretty chill about it. He was like, you know, it was kind of questionable. I wasn't really mad at him. <laughs> so You don't really get mad because he probably wouldn't have made it a touchdown if, if it wasn't for the penalty. Yeah, so what can you do? Because that would have been a tackle at the line of scrimmage. All right, we ready for stock down? I'm, I'm done with stock up. Oh, I we have... can put a bunch of people on stock up. That's when, true. when you win 48-17, a lot of people can go into stock up. Yeah, going through this game, you always know – Going through games, you always know the type of game it is based on the proportion of stock up to stock down. <laughs> Last week was a lot of stock down. This I try week to keep it stock up. succinct. I, I try to keep so. it three or four each. Uh, honorable mentions. <laughs> Here we go. No, I Chase McGrath. 
Career high. That was. I uh, cool. also missed a field goal, so not going to my stock up. Stock neutral. Can, that's why I said stock neutral. And then <laughs> you actually, didn't say stock neutral. I did. I you said did. honorable mention. And then I said stock neutral. No, you didn't. Um, and then I also had stock up on tackling. Tackling it yes. was better. I thought tackling was better. Yep, I agree. So, there you go. That's, that's honorable mention. So let's go stock down. Now. Yes, stock down. I had Porter Gustin. I uh, already talked about it. Yes. But just the fact that he's not going to. He played one game. He's out six weeks. You know, he comes back. Plays 37 snaps and he's not able to go this week or potentially future weeks either. So, yeah, unfortunate for USC's pass rush because it looked really good on, on Saturday. It did. It the did. fact that it was working as one unit together, three sacks for Rasheem Green, three in a row for Uchenna Nwosu. We didn't even include him on the stock up. I didn't include yeah. pass rush, but just the fact that, that that whole group was working together and the fact that Josh Fatu is going to be, play, be able to play more this week. Would have been nice to see the fact there'd be four starters back for first time in a long time. Yeah. Um, I had Jack Jones on punt return. He, I mean, he wasn't out there, so obviously he got demoted back to Jana Harris. Um, but I thought it was admirable how he tried in practice to kind of make it up and put more work in, but obviously Jana was back there. He's still doing more work this week. I asked him if he was disappointed. He kind of laughed. He's like, no, nah, you know, it's just how it is. You know, they put him out there. If he gets another chance, he's going to be ready for it. I got stocked down. I got Darnold to Burnett. Yes. Most people might not realize, but there were at least two more touchdowns that, that Darnold, if you, you know, him and Burnett just didn't, he and Deontay didn't seem to be quite on the same page on all the throws in that game. I don't have the exact number of targets that, that Deontay had that game, but there were some opportunities. And then they have an opportunity for a second touchdown, a blown coverage, he's wide open, and gets called back for a illegal man downfield that probably was not a legal man downfield. The one touchdown that he missed that you almost got the shot of, um, if I had been like two feet over, he would have just flew directly into me. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. So the play before Tyler Vaughn's uh, is uh, targeting touchdown. Um, Deontay Burnett was open on that and just out of the reach of the fingertips. There was another one earlier. I mean, later in the game where Deontay is going up the left sideline and Donald just overthrows him a little bit too much on that one. We've seen those guys in the Notre Dame game. There were a couple passes that were that looked like option routes where the quarterback has to read the defense and the receiver has to read the defense the same way and throw the ball in, in a spot. And they were, they've were they been so good at that in the past, and they have a lot of faith in those two guys to work together that there are a lot of option routes where Burnett can go either way and, and do different things on the routes. But uh, in this game, there are opportunities there that they did not fully capitalize on. USC could have put 63 up on the point, on the board pretty easily. Yeah, for sure. Missed field goal, that, that drive, there's a couple more. Anybody else you got in stock now? Yes, I just thought of it, and then I oh, not getting penalties. It was it was a, it was a, it wasn't a good day. <laughs> mm-hmm. Good talk. Anyways, moving on to heard it on the sidelines. Yes, we actually have a question that will. Oh okay. Yeah, head off our our hurt on the sideline because it's a part a lot of what happened on the sideline during this game. Question for Keely and Shotgun: After the hail mary, was it complete and utter chaos on the field like it looked on TV? Also, I was wondering if you could hear the band on the field. Felt like I was closer here in the Bay than you on the field. Thanks for all the content and hard work you put into the site. As always, fight on Mike in the Bay Area. So, at halftime, the play goes up. I actually <clears throat> ran around to the side, uh, to the right side, to the Arizona State sideline, because um, usually when I throw a Hail Mary, the right-hand quarterback is going to be in the right side of the end zone. I did this in the, the Jail Mary and completely missed the shot because he went across the middle. It was a bad throw, and Jalen Strong just went up and 
you know, while Hayes Pilar was fair catching it. Um, so this one, actually, you know, I was I thought I was going to miss the shot again because Jack Jones jumps up, and all I get is the back of Jack Jones. And instead, the ball bounces up, and then I get a picture of Williams uh, diving for the ball and Chris Hawkins trying to get him out. It looked like he got into me. Um, but then when you call the play down on the one and then the replays, I immediately go run back into the, the photo room. Is that where you were? I couldn't find you. <laughs> oh, I was gone because I was like, all right, I got my shots. Well, if they do anything, they review it. They're going to bring out and get an extra point. I can get extra points in the second half. I'm sure someone will score in the second half. was not concerned about that. So I took off. Now there would have been some there were some cool photo opportunities you could tell like the guys standing in the tunnel, the you know Todd Graham was standing in front of the team. So there's some interesting things there but wanted to get some work done at halftime and I was like, "All right, well if they talk about this, it might give me a little bit of extra time." And it did. So that was my my thought process. So I left immediately after the play. The you know, I was right in front of where Chris Hawkins was and where the referee comes in and says, "No, he's down." And the players kind of huddled around the referees. And when they say something, before they even make the call, Chris Hawkins takes off running, sprinting away. Well, here's the thing. I was filming it, and I knew it was kind of dicey. I was like, okay, this could go either way based on what they called. And then I just immediately just kept my camera on Chris Hawkins. I filmed him all the way in, and he looked like a kid who got caught with his hand in the cookie jar. He looked so guilty, but was like, come on, let's go to the tunnel. <laughs> like He just looked so guilty. And then someone was asking him, like, what happened? And he was just like, I don't know, keep running. So I just thought that was funny. But it was utter, complete chaos because everyone – USC, some USC guys waited, but the rest of them went to the, the locker room. And the locker room is not, like, underneath the the stadium. No, it's it's way back. It's far. So then, that was the whole madness. Clay Helton stayed. They didn't make an official announcement. So then, like, ASU's halftime show is going on while, like, Todd Graham's like, I don't care what's going on. Todd Graham was just over it. He started to run back into the into the locker room, and a ref had to whistle at him to stop. And it was just, it was madness. But it was fun. I thought it was hilarious. <laughs> yeah, this is what Chris said after the game when he was asked about it. He said, I tried to push him because I kind of knew he caught it. It was a touchdown. That's why I ran so fast in the locker room. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I thought he so. knew exactly what it was, and, and he did a good job. Like he, he pushed Kyle Williams. Like his hand was in his face to try to push him out of the end zone as well. Uh, so he did his part. And from the replays, I thought it was a bad call. Uh, I thought it was a bad call on the field because I thought he was in, and I thought it was a terrible overturn based on the replays they had. And yeah. also, I thought the replays were not very good. Yeah. You know, where's the pylon cam? ESPN has the pylon cam, but apparently not for Pac-12 after Pac-12 dark. After dark mm-hmm. You know. Did that when you should need it because you know something crazy is going to happen? The East Coast bias. I guess <laughs> that's what it is. I don't know, but you know, I, I thought it should never been overturned just based on on the um, based on the replays they showed. However, I did think he was in, and I was gone. I was like, "All right, sweet, I'm out of here." And I'm running back to the back uh, to kind of beat the student section from coming in the tunnel and blocking oh, everything yeah. up too. That makes sense. So I went and did some work and was watching it on the TV that was in the room, and it was complete. I'm dumbfounded. It took nine minutes. Based on my TV broadcast version, it took nine minutes from the time the play was called until the time they were doing the extra point. It was it's hilarious. And then everyone expected them to come back from the tunnel they left, and they come back from the other side, and then like there's like 20 people on the sideline. It was just... They should have just sent out the 11 guys yeah. on special teams, too. I don't know. I it's don't almost know. all defensive starters. They should just went with that. Um, and as far as the second question, could you hear the band? Uh, they were mic'd up way better on the broadcast than what we could hear on the field. You still could kind of hear them because basically all the fans were gone by the time. I don't ever pay attention, really. You don't I just hear start anything. dancing. I don't understand how you don't hear things. Well, I don't pay attention to it. I start dancing to music. 
That is. I true. like Bob and stuff, but it, it doesn't matter whose band it is. But like it doesn't even matter. At over at Notre Dame, I was like, oh, I like this like beat they're doing, and you're like, what? I can't tell. And I'm just like, how do you not I don't, realize these things? Because I'm focused on what's in front of me, and which is the football game and the football players. I don't really care about all the fans. Okay, this is pregame, so don't try and pick the I was working card. You just I'm, don't pay I'm attention. I'm always working. My other hurt on the silence, <laughs> there was a guy who won, like, I think a, a year of Whataburger. Um, oh, Ronald Jones must have been so jealous. So on, so we're walking back into the, so after Rojo and, and Sam Darnold do the presser, it's right next to the locker room. So they're walking in and someone goes, hey, Rojo, did you hear about the guy who won Whataburger? And he's like, What? They're like, yeah, they won it for a year. And he's like, I'm so jealous, man. What? <laughs> he was like, he was so, he was so upset. I wonder if that year supply counts for them shipping it because that's what Ronald Jones would have to get because he's only coming Maybe. to Arizona for once a year. Yeah. And that was one of the things, actually, uh, just because you brought it up, that one of the reasons that Ronald Jones felt more comfortable at USC was after his first trip to either Arizona, or, I think it was Arizona State, uh, his freshman year was early in the season. Um, and he said, you know, he was able to get some Whataburger and he just, you well, know, he was homesick. Yeah. Cause he was home, you know, that freshman year when he was homesick, you know, that helped actually, because yeah. there is a Whataburger in, you know, Phoenix is kind of a weird area. There's a Waffle House there, which I don't know if there's any Waffle House like east of the Mississippi. I mean, west of the Mississippi. Otherwise, maybe they're in Texas. I don't know. Who knows what's in Texas? Everything could be in Texas. But like Whataburger is a big Texas thing. And like you, you find them in Phoenix. You're just like, where, where did this come from? Why is it so far out here? But it's everything's in Phoenix. It's kind of a weird, it's weird a area. Pot. It's an interesting thing. Something like that. Um, I, I, you know, speaking of them coming out of the press conference, going into the press conference, Sam Darnold, uh, he turned to Clay Helton. And he's like, "Am I representing the defense here? Am I supposed to?" And he said it with a smile. And he laughed about it, and I kind of showed the jovial mood he was in. You know, which was so different you know, for USC. You yeah. know, they finally lightened up a little bit, and uh, we'll get to that next. However, I also heard. You know, Uchenna Nwosu after Ronald Jones' touchdown. I, you know, I move from sideline to sideline. You know, I don't stay in the end zones. I don't have enough lens to stay in the corner of the end zone like all the big professionals. Yeah, it's a tear. It's a tear you see running down my face. Um, but, you know, sometimes you, you when a long run happens like that, you just you can't get the shot. I got him as he's, you know, coming to the line before he breaks off and goes up. So I can't run down there to get the celebration real quick. So I look at the bench and look and see what they, how their reaction is. And Uchenna Nwosu is just it turned around. Apparently, there have been ASU fans screaming at him. Again, I don't pay attention, so maybe they were screaming stuff I didn't hear previously. But he just is constantly with, with his left arm, is pointing from his chest to, to the left. He just keeps going. He's like, go home. Go home. Just over and over. Go home. Like telling the ASU fans that it's over. Just go home now. And then later throughout the game, a lot of players were turning around and talking to the ASU fans who were right behind the bench and telling them, you know, similar things. They were throwing up the, you know, the pitchfork symbol and stuff. Like, oh, yeah, waving to them with a pitchfork uh, and, and telling them, that, you know, it's over. Just, just go on home. Just go home. And many of them did. The, yeah, that is very true. So we chronicled the whole saga I had with Chris Hawkins after about tackling after the Notre Dame game and so how we were going back and forth me and him are kind of a little sassy so he's coming off the field at the end of the game and Chris Hawkins sees Ryan and I and he goes y'all want to interview me now want to talk about this now so it was just funny just the continual sass that we get from Chris Hawkins is pretty great well, uh, that's kind of the rapport we have with players going back and forth and if you're a good journalist you're like yeah uh, I'll interview you when you do positive. I'll interview you when you do negative. Yeah, that's, no, that's it, it it's all in good fun, and I think it's funny. Well, I've had it where it. sometimes it'd be contentious, and be like, 
well, you did good now. You want me to interview now? And if they say no, all right. If you don't want the interview, that's up to you. Yeah, but you won people over that way. That's true. Uh, one of the other things I heard on the sidelines was this week, Clay Helton talking about the Dodgers and the Astros series. He was asked who he was rooting for. He's from Texas. I believe he's in Houston. Houston, yes. I believe he's from Houston. Uh, and asked who he was rooting for. He said, well, you root for where you live. I don't agree with that. How do you feel about that? Well, I mean, that would mean that I'm rooting for the Dodgers, but I'm angels till I die. So. I mean, you're like 12 minutes from home if there wasn't traffic. So I'm 12 minutes from the Dodgers right now. And you're 12 minutes from the angels at the same time. So it's just where so my residency is most of the time. I don't know. See, so I'm from Georgia. I still root for all Atlanta teams. Braves? Braves. Hawks, Falcons, the Thrashers when they were in existence, wow. now they're extinct. So I have adopted the Kings in L.A. Okay. I also root for the Tampa Bay Devil Rays. That's a long story. Okay. I worked for their organization. Okay, so, that's not a long before story. Before they were any good. So, you know, I root for all these teams. Who did I want to win? I didn't really care. I, I guess. So I was, how do you feel? Sorry, I'm cutting you off. How do you feel about UGA being number one? You know, I, I was much more invested in Georgia when I was back home because I used to watch every game. Now it's on Saturdays. I don't. I don't I've seen them once this year, I think. Oh. So mm-hmm. when I got to watch them, I, root, I did root for Georgia. Uh, good for them if they're doing well. Go dogs. Just kidding. But then I also knew some of the kids that I was interviewing them too. And you, you root for the kids that you, that you get to, to cover. Um, but, you know, so I, I posted this and people were like, no, I can't. No way. I live in Texas. I root for USC. I li- I'm a Dodger. Whatever. And I was like, but you're not the public figure. Yeah, I was about to say that. You're you not the one throwing out the first pitch at the Dodgers game. <laughs> yeah. And then someone else brought up, and they, I think this you know, covers it well, I said, you root for where you recruit. Oh, that's good. Who yeah. said that? you got to give them credit. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, I don't, I'll get back to it. Okay. But that's, that's what I had for her on the sideline. Uh, the last one, the little tidbit I found out, that Tyler Vaughn's is apparently twins, quote-unquote, with Jalen Green. He told me that like he was like everything we do is the same. We make the same facial expressions, like we make the same jokes. We're just twins. We're we're the same person. So that was a weird duo that I didn't know was a thing. So there you go. Tyler Bonds also has like forty seven brothers. So why does he need not need another twin? Forty seven. Okay, he has a large family. That's all I'm saying. Not really. How many? I think he has like four or five brothers. That's not large. In today's times, that is large. Thank you. How many how many siblings do you have? <laughs> One. Exactly. Okay, whatever. Who cares? Um, keep it. What do you got? Keep it. Uh, how about switching it up? It's something I recommended last week. I don't know if they you know heard the podcast. We or both what did. It was. Thank you very much. I, I also said that maybe you need to play some music. <laughs> that is true. And what did they do on Friday? Apparently, you know, Chris Hawkins told us that he went and had a conversation with Clay Helton. And they decided that you know the team was too tight. They were not being you know they were not as close knit a group. It's kind of oxymoronic that I said they were too tight and then not tight knit. Uh-huh. Um, so, but yeah, they were they were they wanted to loosen things up. They wanted the team to kind of come together. And to do that, one of the things they did was they played some music during warmups on Friday. And Clay Helton said, "Hey, maybe that will continue. You know, it seemed to work. The guys were really excited." You know that you know they played some Migos. Daniel oh. Moore Bebe said was played. Of course, hey, of course, they should have that. Of course, Daniel would remember the ATL mm-hmm. musician, which mm-hmm. is good job by by Di. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, but 
you know, just the fact that they did something different, I liked. That was something that I was clamoring for last week after the Notre Dame loss. They thought that they should have done something different during practice. Apparently, they did it behind closed doors. Uh, Giant Anson said they also showed some different highlight tapes of uh, former greats and former great teams. Uh, in the meetings instead of you know just going on their normal stuff. So I like the fact that they switched it up. I think that they should keep the players on their toes. This week they played some dodgeball. I think you know that's a unique thing to do as well. If you can keep everybody from getting hurt, I mean that's sometimes going to be dangerous in that regard. Maybe you should do some bowling. Bowling's less stressful on yeah, the on the body. Maybe, but dodgeball is more fun. Come on, yeah. dodgeball's so much fun. Yeah, I I totally agree. I was really impressed by Chris Hawkins to have that that intuition to know that they're not together in that sense and to go to clay helton and do that that's a real leadership thing from him so that was like 75 years old he's like (laughs) an old man on this team yeah he yeah he's he's my age so fifth year senior um yeah i thought i thought playing loose was huge i mean we heard that immediately after the game at asu like they saw it too yeah i mean they all just looked happy i mean sam Darnold caught a ball off the sideline and actually just, caught two passes on the sideline but yeah. he showed his ups on one of them yeah he was like and he was like it was just nice to have fun with the guys on the sideline he was like it, you could just tell that everyone was like it was just nice to just play loose and like given the fact that if they lost against asu you're kind of out of the the south race a little bit so to to take the the risk of playing loose and seeing if that will pay off and it did i thought that was really it was a good risk to take. The question then becomes to me, and no one has actually asked this question in my mentions, which I'm kind of surprised by, with as many, you know, or on the message board that I've seen, with as many haters as there can be, especially for, towards the coaching staff, is why did the coaching staff not notice this? Why did they not change something up earlier? Why did it take someone, a veteran player, who, and maybe it's because he has a better pulse of the team? That's That could be the possibility. But why did it take Chris Hawkins having to go to Clay Helton before this was done, why that, did the coaching staff not say this? Something's not right. We need to switch something up. Like I said last week, yeah. and do something different in practice, whatever it was. Why did it take a, a player coming to them? Maybe they just didn't have a great feel for the team. I don't know. But. I feel like that's part of the problem. I think that the coaches are very much into the hype of you got to win, you got to do this, you got to blah 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 blah. All the outside noise instead of just focusing on the team and them. I mean, I think that was the difference between last season. Is like if they thought if they bought into all the noise when they were one and three I think that would have been bad as as opposed to what we said earlier they were like no I think we're good we're a team we're going forward I don't think they really I think they were too much on the outside and listening to what they should have been doing what should be expected from them versus being very just inside if that makes sense I don't you get what I'm saying here yeah they need to be inside the igloo instead of out in the snowstorm yeah sure I think I just made that up I I like it though okay Eskimos. Because it's cold outside. It is. It's California cold. That's all I got. Uh, Okay, so (laughs) keep it. I had explosive plays. You know, I I like the fact that you had several plays over 20 yards. You know, the big runs. You know, when you get home run plays, that makes a big difference. Yes. That's something you just couldn't do against Notre Dame, even though they had a couple of chances uh, where if you capitalize on it, maybe it changes the game. Another thing I had was substitutions. You know, it was the highest percentage of first-team reps played by backups. So what I deem as first-team reps is before you have four or more subs come into a game, so usually that's your offense line, when the offense line or when the offensive line leaves on the offense. On defense, if you have four or more subs. Um, so the highest percentage of, of those snaps, those first-team reps, were played by backups this season. So USC had, I think it was 80-something percent. Let me pull up the numbers real quick. 
On offense, they played 151 of the first team of the 759 first team reps were by backups. On defense, 105 of the 627. Both of those, 80% on offense was the lowest. Uh, the previous low had been 82% against Oregon State, and the ASU game was 83% on defense, 83% for the the Oregon State game as well. Blowouts obviously allows you to do more and get guys in the rotations a little bit more rather than just at the end of the games when you have backups. But I like the fact that there were more guys getting in. Part of it was injuries. You know, Porter Gustin yep. didn't start, but he played a lot. Stephen Mitchell didn't start, played a lot. Josh Fatu didn't start, was in the rotation as well. So that was part of it, but I like the fact that they got some guys in. They, they moved around guys a little bit more this game. I also had, knowing your receivers, um, this was the first chance I got really got to talk to Darnold, um, and he was telling me that it wasn't – because I, I, I think the receivers have definitely come into their own in the past, like, two weeks. Um, but he was saying it's not only them maturing, it was him figuring out them. You know, I, he, he kind of admitted to me that he was a little bit just making them – like, them re- them react to him and the way he throws the ball versus him responding to how, okay, how they run their routes, how they do this, you know. So he said that was a learning process for him, and he's starting to get that down as well. So knowing your receivers is a good thing and keep it. Know what would have helped with that? More summer workouts. Instead, they try to do less summer workouts, at least that yes. they told us about. So I agree. Uh, change it. You got anything else for keep it? Or no, that's on? it. All right, moving on, change it. Uh, can we change their injury luck? Jeez, it just seems like there's somebody going down every game. I mean, besides Port Augustine having to to later leave this game, Chuma Doga left the game again. You know, it was only for a couple plays at the end. But and he then just... on, on Tuesday, he started out the practice and then got over to the tra- trainer's table and was looked at for a while, got taped up, didn't finish practice. He practiced more on Wednesday, but still, that ankle is just continuing to, to nag him. Just been... Beset by ankle and wrist injuries this year, he's missed two games. He's played full two games. That's crazy. So there's been five games where he's missed part part of the game. Four of those, he's had to leave the game early. One of them, he missed a couple plays, came back in. But that's just, I mean, it's been unfortunate for him uh, because I thought he was going to have a really big year at the right tackle spot. But it just seems like there's always somebody. And Vi ends up getting hurt. And the two plays later, James Tolan gets hurt. Yeah. Both those guys are expected to miss a couple weeks. Um, good news for Vi is that, what, that there was no structural damage. It looked a lot like it was <laughs> going to be bad. bad. Yeah. Um, both of those guys are going to be carted off the field at the same time. It just seems like every week. I mean, the, the one, uh, I can't remember, was the the Utah game where they didn't have anybody injured. It was like, oh, my goodness, what a revelation. Yeah. Whereas you should be like, oh, you're good. That's normal. Yeah, it was like, oh. Instead of like, oh, there's one one player hurt or two players hurt on a week, and they'll be back next week. It's been like, oh, my God, they're going to lose another player for a significant time. It's just so crazy how their injury luck has been this year. Mm-hmm. I had handling injuries. We already talked about Porter and how that's been handled. I just don't agree with the inconsistency and letting the player dictate it more. I mean, I talked to Michael Pittman this week, and he said that he he – even now has hindsight bias where he's like, yeah, I probably shouldn't have pushed myself as much as I had. Because I asked him, I was like, I feel like your ankle is nagging you every game, like every week. And he was like, yeah, I, I'm pushing myself too hard, but like I I, I want to be out there. You know, like he said he's better this week, but when he first returned, he wanted to play the first three weeks and they wouldn't let him. And then finally when he did play, he was like, I probably shouldn't have still. So Yeah, he thought he was going to be ready even Earlier than that, too. Yeah, yeah. And Josh Fatu said after the game that it was kind of his decision when he would come back. Now, that's a little bit different with a concussion yeah, yeah. and also the fact that he kind of got beat up a little bit in that car accident. Uh, so I understand that one. Some of the other ones, 
I agree with you. I think, you know, we, we talked about it. I think this would be the health professional's opinion over the players. Agreed. I change it. Defending the Hail Mary. Obvious. <laughs> Knock it down. Knock it down. I mean, <laughs> come on. If that was a if that was a close game, could you imagine oh, the man. the vitriol that would be uh, subjected to these the players? Jack would be Jones would to? be on the stock down. Oh, definitely. I mean, he should be on the stock down for that. He tried to catch it, and I I can't really tell. It looked like Nikhil Harry shoved Marvell Tell into Jack Jones, which a very wise play by Nikhil <laughs> Harry if that's what happened. Uh, and then the ball pops up in the air, and Williams is able to make a diving play on it, but. USC's got to find it, especially against Arizona State. And he kind of – he had nothing to do with the play, but John Houston was in the background just kind of staring at the play, uh, which it just kind of was, you know, uh, full circle because he's number 10. Yeah, I was like about to say, number 10 and just the Hail looking, Mary. Like in one of my photos, he's just looking at the ball up in the air. And it's like, oh, there's number 10 in the background once again. <laughs> oh, man. I have a late edition. Keep it. Turnovers and interceptions. They had oh, one. Yeah, we didn't even talk. Oh, wow. Right? 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 I remembered it. There was the one turnover, but it was on the fourth down. So, I mean. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. But no, there was no huge turnover play, and that's good. Yeah, that was great for him. And it doesn't matter. That play didn't really matter, but you'll see it in the stat sheet. And people will be like, whoa, he's got this many turnovers now. Yeah, exactly. So, um, question for you. We're now in the shotgun question stage. I only have really one, two ish. Um,. I definitely thought that this game was more more of a complete victory versus Utah. I feel like Utah was like, oh, the second half, everyone hyped it up so much, and it was like, meh. There were good plays, but not a complete victory like we saw against ASU. Um, but my question is, were there improvements from Notre Dame to ASU? I know we talked about the obvious guys coming back, but I mean, Kalen Balazs was sick, so he didn't really play. Um, Man, I love me some Kalen Balazs, too. I was looking forward to seeing him. He was throwing up all day. How crazy is that? Another guy didn't play the flu game. He was probably throwing up after watching that game, too. (laughs) He was like, I had to watch this. I'm sick, guys, and you subject me to this? He had one carry, so. Yeah, but they didn't really, you didn't really see Kalen Balazs. I don't know if we can count Nikhil Harry because, like, I mean, like, meaning that he had a bad game because the defense planned for that. So that's, like, kudos to the defense. But. Demario Richard didn't do much either. Yeah. I mean, they shut down that, that facet of the Arizona State offense. I think the, the pass rush just made such an impact. Um, I don't know what your actual question is. My actual question is, are USC fans overhyping this complete victory? Like, is there, you know where it's like pendulum swing? Notre Dame was so bad. ASU looked so good. Is there a median? All right, so what I said last week was a lot of bad things went against USC. Somebody, yeah, somebody and you tweeted, got called out for that, Somebody too. tweeted at me like, oh, it's just, it's just bad things, huh? No. A lot of bad things went into it. They, pre- they might have lost still. But then every single bounce seemed to go against them. This week it kind of was the reverse. A lot of things went USC's way. You know, they get a you got a big explosive play for a touchdown. Michael Pittman call back for penalty. What happens? The very next play you run for a touchdown. So a lot of the things USC was able to overcome. You know, when things the the one fumble that happens is on fourth down and. Sam Donald's right there to make the tackle. If if the ball bounces a little bit away, then that becomes a, a momentum-changing play because the guy, there's no one there. When the quarterback fumbles and it bounces up like it did to that guy, there's no one, you know, that's when you get touchdowns. Like the Utah game, that fumble bounced right to the guy. He's like, oh, gift. I'll walk in 10 yards. Oh, gift. Yeah, instead of it like being on the ground, you have to dive for it, yeah. you know, and then yeah. you're like, okay, can we get in from the 10-yard line? Utah's had trouble in the red zone. 
So, you know, those type of bounces went USC's way in this game. They had a bunch of good breaks. So where is this team when the breaks even out? That's the question. Yes, that is my question. Is it? Oh, yes. that's not your question? <laughs> yes. You've morphed your question for mm-hmm. me? I did. Where is this team? Um, I think that they, they still can play better. I mean, there's opportunities they did not take advantage of in that game. This was still not the complete game. It was. I, I thought, Will we ever see the complete game, the sure. elusive complete game? I mean, the Stanford game, for? besides the, the two turnovers I thought was there, you know, that's what gave everybody you know excitement about this season because, wow, they beat up on Stanford. They out-Stanford Stanford with the physicality and everything in the run game. Uh, they took away their weapons, you know, on offense, They, you know, besides the one long run. And, and there you go. There's two things from that game that are besides this, besides it. Does USC get that one game where you're just like, oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. If this team could just play like that every week, you know, they should be in the playoff. I still think this team has that potential. They're good enough to be one of the top five teams in the country. Do they play to that potential? They they have not put that complete game together. When will we see it? Your will question is as good as mine. <laughs> Lastly, prediction. What do you think is going to happen? I already gave my prediction in the Facebook Live. But this ain't the Facebook Live, is it? Well, if it's going to be posted the same day, it's almost like the Facebook After Live. <laughs> Just say your prediction. Forty-two twenty-seven. Really? Still? You're going with that? Why would I change my mind who? 30 who? minutes later? Who? 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 Who are you? The who over there? <laughs> Who's who winning? Who are you? Uh, 42-27. USC wins. They find a way to shut down Tate. If they don't find a way to shut down Tate, it might be 51-31 to 31, Arizona. That's such a lame answer. I gave my answer twice of 42-27. to 27. Why do you want me to change my answer? I'm not. I'm just pushing you. <laughs> don't push me. I'll Watch push out. Don't push me. Edge. Okay, whatever. <laughs> I mean, a lot, that's any... a lot of random rhymes coming into yeah, this. Yeah, that's a weird one today. Uh, any last thoughts? Um, I'm pretty awesome. <laughs> I just wanted to throw that out there. Thanks. For hey that. guys, tweet us at tweet at us during the games. Uh, we try to tweet us at all the time. <laughs> or that too. I like interaction. Uh, we try to answer as many questions as we can during the game. So if you see something, you got a question about it. Also, but don't quote retweet me. During a game. It's harder to see. Yes. Because then I, you can go through your mentions. Yes, I usually just go through, through my your mentions. mentions. It's just weird. Yeah, I don't know why Twitter needs to fix some things. Twitter needs to fix a lot of things. Not too characters. Do you see characters. that they're, yeah, they're giving that to everyone? I don't want that. Uh, I might I might be Kalen Balaging. <laughs> I don't want to see 280 characters from all oh you people. Oh my gosh. Okay, whatever. Thanks for listening to the Family Feud Podcast. That's Shotgun. I'm Keely. We'll see you next week. Peace!